Welcome to Motorsport Coaching, the podcast for racers with racers. Miss Motivate can help get you to the next level. Every episode, she talks to the best racers of today and those that can get you there. She'll help you get better. Racing news. At fitness, nutrition, sports psychology, sponsorship, social media, public relations, and media training. Connect with Miss Motivate at motivatetraining.com.au. That's M-O-T-I-V, the number eight, training.com.au. And now, to help get you to the next level, Miss Motivate herself, Belinda Risley. Welcome to the next episode of Motorsport Coaching. Today, we're talking to Jason and Austin Riley from Racing with Autism. Austin is a, is a young motorsport competitor from Uxbridge, Canada. He has been racing for 11 years, starting at the age of eight. Over that time, Austin has been very successful in racing in the highest level of karting and now in the Micro Cup. With all his successes, Austin suffers from autism. Autism is known to be a disability, but Austin is living proof that it does not have to be. He has been able to compete with the best of the best and win. This is one of my favourite episodes. I hope you enjoy it too. So thank you very much for joining me today, Jason and Austin. How did you guys get involved into motorsport? You want to answer that one? <laughs> um, Austin was seven and a half years old. Um, we were struggling to find something that he enjoyed doing. Um, he had been diagnosed very recently with uh, moderate to severe ADHD, uh, with moderate to severe fine motor skill impairment. Um, he hadn't been diagnosed with autism at that time. Um, and we were, the doctor suggested we put him in some sort of sports activity to help him with his coordination. Um, we signed him up for several sports, soccer, uh, being in Canada, uh, hockey, and both experiences uh, ended up us leaving the various facilities uh, rather embarrassed and Austin pretty bored with his life and didn't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, then one day we got a flyer in the mail um, it was in the spring of uh, 2007. It was about a go-kart program, a, a track near our house, uh, like an arrive-and-drive program. So I, I took the flyer off the table, and I went up to Austin's room where he was, and I put it in front of him and said, hey, buddy, what do you think about this? And he looked at the flyer and looked at me. He goes, why would I want to do that? I suck <laughs> at everything. If I go there, people will just make fun of me. I'll get upset, and you know, we'll have to come home. So why don't, uh, why don't we just skip the whole process and I'll stay in my room? Well, for Austin, um, I'm just about as stubborn as he is. So every day I came home from work, I picked up the same flyer and went up to it. And I said, come on, buddy, you can try. And every day I met the same response. No, I'm not doing it. I told you I'm not doing it. No, no, no. And, but this went on for like four weeks. And uh, four weeks, I came home on a Friday afternoon. I grabbed the flyer. And I went to go upstairs, and uh, Austin's waiting for me at the top of the landing. He's like, stop right there. Don't say another word. I, I know what you're going to say, so let's make a deal. I'm going to go. I'm going to do – how many laps did you say you were going to do? One lap. One lap. Uh -huh. I was just going to do one lap of the track. And then he was coming off, and uh, we were coming home, and we were never going back. And what was the other part of the – Deal? Stop for ice cream. He was going to stop for ice cream. 
So uh, Austin was true to his words. Two weeks later, we went to the track, and he hopped into a go-kart for the first time. Um, and after the first lap, he didn't come off. In fact, when they waved the checkered flag for his group to come off, he wouldn't come off. Uh, <laughs> he kept driving around and driving around, and the marshals are trying to stop him, and he's swerving around them. And you know, I was like a hundred other parents on the fence, all watching their kids, and all I can hear is comments like, "What's wrong with that kid? You know, why doesn't he listen?" And I had to do like the walk of shame onto the track and let everybody know he was my kid, and try and make him stop. And I remember how angry I was because I was at the end of my rope. We tried pretty much everything for him to find something he enjoyed doing. And this looked like it was going to end in failure as well. And I was waiting for him to stop in front of me. And I'm thinking, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to make him feel how I feel right now. I'm going to embarrass him in front of all these other people. I'm going to yell at him like he's never been yelled at before. And he stopped about five feet from me. And uh, I'm about to rip him a new one. And I just, all I could see was the biggest smile inside of his helmet. And I knew from that moment that we found something. And, you know, that day he even went on to race in that afternoon's race. And you remember where you finished? Dead last. Well, not dead last, second last. <laughs> he must have spun out every lap. And, uh, you know, when we got home, he didn't want to go to Dairy Queen or for an ice cream. He All he wanted to do was go back to the track. So the next week we went back, and uh, he didn't finish second last. In fact, he finished third. Fantastic. And then the next week he finished third again, and then second, and second. Then he won a race, then he won a race. And he went the rest of that year, uh, and he finished. Uh, he never missed the podium again. He finished uh, what place? Third. Third overall out of – uh, over 200 kids and he was by far the youngest and ever since then it's been get me something bigger faster you know onwards and upwards it's been uh insane when i look back at you know it was just something as a hobby now it's it's basically defined our whole lives and still does to this day and it's defining lives for kids all over the world because um oh I don't know if Austin knows the impact he's making on the world, but there are kids everywhere that look at Austin as a role model, um, and he gives them hope that they they can one day follow their dreams just like he has. And you know, when you're a dad, that's pretty much all you can ask for. Like that's the best thing in the world to see your son doing all these great things, and you're basically along for the ride. It's fantastic, guys. And how long ago, um, well, how long have you been racing for? How long ago was the, the, did the journey start? Uh, 10 years. It's 11 years now. Well, second. So yeah, sorry. altogether, it's been 11, 11 years, years since 2007. Yeah. Oh, so this second year in the car. Fantastic. And what kind of categories have you raced over those times? Um. In carts, he started in, like, the first year was a ride and drive. Then he got his own go-kart, which was, like, Honda Novice. And then Micromax, which was, like, a Rotax class, uh, which he won his first championship in. And then he moved up to Minimax, like, a year early. And his third year Minimax, he won two championships. Uh, he finished second in overall in all of Canada. 
Um, and that was only by a few points. And that was because uh, dear old dad forgot to tighten one bolt that caused him to be in one race. So it was basically my fault that uh, we didn't win the championship for Canada that year. And uh, last year in carts, so he was racing what they call shifter carts here. So like six gears, yep. uh, sequential blocks, uh, front rear bakes, about 60 horsepower with him in it, like 380 pounds. So they do well over uh, 170 kilometers an hour. Um, pretty kick-ass machine. Um, the thing that's amazing about watching Austin drive one of those is he can't tie his shoes, has trouble writing his name, but yet can drive something with a hand clutch and a sequential box and look like he's sitting at the beach. <laughs> and it, it was every time I've moved up Austin to the next class, I would always wonder, you know, has he reached his limitations now? There's no way he can do the next class. He's too competitive. He won't be able to compete uh, and be successful. And every time we sped Austin up and put him in something harder, he's made it look easier. <laughs> and that doesn't make sense. And it was only a couple of years ago that Austin was able to verbalize that to me, that the, the go-kart's finally going as fast as his mind works. So the faster he goes, the more comfortable he is, the more calm he is, the more focused he is, the less anxiety he has. And that's why he can drive something like that and be totally relaxed. It's, uh, it's, it's an odd thing to get your head around. And, you know, if you would ask me at eight years old, will Austin one day be driving a shifter cart doing 100 miles an hour down the back straight at his favorite track? And I was, you're crazy. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, no, he, you know, does it like it's you know, putting on a pair of pants. Hmm. And how have you gone over the years, Jason, with the communication between um, yourself and Austin, you know, getting cut feedback or car feedback? Um, well, that's probably the most difficult journey that we've had is getting feedback um, from Austin. The thing that makes Austin pretty remarkable is he just he just adapts to whatever the cart is set up for and still brings it back with the same time. Um, like there's very minor tweaks that you can do to, to make it faster, but Austin just kind of adapts to things. But if there's something wrong with the cart, something that's out of not quite in alignment or something's just slightly loose or the motor's not running right, like just in even like a different uh, noise, he picks up on that stuff incredibly quick. Like a, if a set screws loose in the bearing and an axle has a little bit of shift to it, he picks that up. So as a mechanical <coughs> feedback, uh, for mechanical feedback, he's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to, uh, you, know, you know, the car's not turning in properly or I've got too much oversteer, you have to ask very selected questions and very and you have to ask them in various different ways um to get the right answer you can't just take whatever because austin how's uh, this turn for you oh it's good really the car looks like it's got a bit of understeer yeah it's not turning the way i want so it's not good then well it's still good i'm driving the cart yeah i understand you know, if the cart was on fire and austin came into the pits he'd still say it was good yeah because he's doing the thing he loves but you have to have to ask very specific questions and you can't just take the first answer. You have to probe a little harder 
or a little deeper. Um, one thing that we found that's worked really well for him is uh, GoPro footage. Like where we put GoPros on, especially in practice when we're setting the cart up, uh, one on the front end, one behind him so we can see what his hands are doing. And then we watch that footage and we can make better understanding of what he's doing with his hands and where the cart's going and then talk about where we see him overcorrecting or he looks a little uh, understeery or oversteery. Then we can actually stop the corner. Okay, what's the cart doing at this point? And then he can tell us. So we, it's been a, a long road, but it's something that we've kind of worked on together. Don't get me wrong, it's not fluffy clouds and butterflies either hmm. all the time. Um, but we have found a way to communicate, and we've been able to carry that on to you know, his cars as well. Uh, the car he rides have pretty good onboard telemetry, so we can see throttle position, brake position, steering input, and we found that extremely helpful. Oh, fantastic, guys. Well, during the week, I put on a Facebook page, was there any questions? And I just had some that's come through. Um, so one of our clients have asked, um, they'd love to know, how do you deal with times when the rules and the penalties are a little hazy and Austin struggles to understand or think it is unfair or unjust? How do they get him to understand or move on? Well, that's good, Austin. When, when something bad happened in, say, your Micromax days, how would your weekend go? <laughs> so if we were first practice of the day and the cart wouldn't start, we'd may as well pack up and go home because that would be the end of the weekend for us. Mm -hmm. um, his behavior becomes so bad and so frustrated. He would dwell on something, um, not just like the Friday practice, but Saturday and Sunday, and he would never be able to focus on his actual job. But now – uh, he can get taken out in the biggest race of his life in turn number one. And how long does it take you to get over something now? Pretty good. How long does it take you? Not long. Five <laughs> minutes. And has he ever like been in the penalty room? Um, like been in having to sign something that he didn't quite understand or was against? Um, whenever we go to like a, a driver's meeting. Um, we always make sure either myself or Shane or uh, Curtis's karting mechanic always goes with him because um, we talk Austin and whoever's given that meeting may not talk Austin. So we just go over the major points or something's different that he's not used to at a track and just make sure he understands. <coughs> um, Austin in his karting days has never been like black flag for unfairness um, in fact, as a father, there's a lot of times where he could have shut, should have shut the door on somebody and he hasn't. Uh, there's been times where he's uh, let people buy off the start. He's qualified pole position and let so the second place guy go at it and head and stayed on his bumper the whole race and let him win just to let him win because, you know, that's a nice thing to do. I don't have to win all the time. <laughs> fantastic and um, there's been times there's been times like at a national event where austin's made a pass on somebody it hasn't been quite clean where he's like put a mark on the other guy's card or kind of shoved him a bit wide out of that turn austin will let off let that guy back through and then get him next lap oh. whereas a dad like what are you doing come on man go go <laughs> so that that way it's uh 
he's like the cleanest, most fair driver. He never, he never wants to put another driver in a position where he wouldn't want to be in. And he's always said to me, dad, um, I don't, I don't want to ruin somebody else's race just because mine has been ruined. So he's never, if somebody's done something bad to him, he's never gone after that guy and then shunted him into the trees, you know, that kind of thing. Um, he may get a little upset afterwards when he was younger, but it's, uh, you know, it's racing now. He's just, that's, uh, he's just come to exp- learn to cope with it. And if there's anything that the sport of karting or racing has given Austin is basically, um, he's given him coping skills that he never would have had um, because he loves the sport so much, but there's so much uncertainty with it. You know, is a cart going to start on the grid? You know, am I going to get taken out turn one? Uh, will I win the race? He doesn't know what's going to happen at the, at the drop of the green flag. And, you know, for people with autism, especially Austin, he likes to know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen to put him in like a, a chaotic world of like junior Rotax with like 40 carts on the grid ready to go. And it's chaos. It's like mayhem for somebody with autism. It's like, that's like the worst scenario you can put him in, but he's, he's, that's taught him all these coping skills that he's been able to take other parts in life that, you know, things that were a big deal that didn't go right at school are now, you know, things are over with fairly shortly compared to, two, three days, we'd have to deal with something. So do you have to talk to Austin before the race and before the event about what's about to happen? Or how does he, I guess, get into the, the right headspace to compete? Um, not really. Usually the more you fill Austin's head with things, remember to do this or, you know, remember to block that guy. The more you're giving him things to think about rather than him just letting it naturally happen. Mm-hmm. And people with autism, especially in an environment like a busy paddock, you know, given Austin five things to remember, they all become jumbled by the time he gets to the grid and he's not going to remember anyway. Um, basically what we try and do is if there's something really important, that's the point we go with and we emphasize that point and everything else, you know, we just have to live with and let it happen. And, you know, there used to be a bigger deal when it was when he was smaller and not so sure of himself and confident and now basically you know get your helmet let's go that's kind of thing he knows what he needs to do he knows how he has to drive to be competitive and that's pretty much it Austin what do you think about when you're out on the track are you just thinking of the car in front the next corner winning the race Well, speak. <laughs> I'm not really thinking about anything when I'm driving. Fantastic. Yep. I'm just focused on getting to the front. Uh-huh. If I'm not there already. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. <laughs> and um, one of the things one of the things Austin said to me um a few years ago. And will you stop moving your leg? I'm resting the bloody computer. <laughs> Um, cause I asked him how he felt like, cause Austin, racing's more than just racing to Austin. It's more of a therapy. That's how he gets rid of his anxiety. That's all building up. That's how he relaxes. It's how he copes with life. And I, 
I was very curious to ask that same question. You know, what are you thinking about when you're driving? How does it make you feel when you're racing? And what was your response, Drew? What? Free. He said it made him feel free. Yeah. All the noise yeah. that he has to listen to is all dis- dissipated. All he has is you know, the helmet and the en- sound of the noise and uh, uh, sound of the engine noise and everything else is drowned out. He's by himself. And <clears throat> that's basically Austin's happy place. That's where he's the most confident, where he's the most comfortable. And, you know, I've been watching Austin race for 11 years now. I still marvel at the transformation that takes place by when he's like standing on the grid beside his cart and he's really fidgety and nervous and looks totally out of place. But as soon as he sits in the cart, it's like a light switch changes and, you know, all the thing I'm, I'm really nervous and, you know, that bothers me in life, they all disappear. And it's, it's like a, a total calming effect. It's, um, it's a good thing to watch. Oh, that's really nice, guys. Sorry, one second. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so at the moment, how often are you racing? Is this something that you guys try and do every weekend for the benefits of um, that it provides Austin? Or Well, the last year um, we ran a cart and a car. Uh, the cart we funded, um, the car was funded by Method and Marie, who sponsored Austin for the whole year last year. Um, they have an autistic son, and they saw Austin's story, and they thought, you know, this is a great thing to get out there. Method raced in the Nissan Micro Cup as well, and uh, he offered Austin a test in his car, and he was impressed with how he handled it. And We were actually on tour in the United Kingdom, and... Um, we got a, a Facebook call from them and basically saying that they have uh, raised enough money to give Austin a full ride uh, in the Micro Cup. <coughs> and we weren't quite sure how things were going to progress in the Micro Cup. Uh, I 100% uh, believe Austin has the talent to drive any car in this world if you give him enough time to get comfortable in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and get comfortable in his abilities and how things work. And the micro cup, the micro car itself, the micro cup cars, it's, it's very unique. It's a hard car to drive. There's lots of professionals that, you know, take a flyer weekend in the micro cup and they don't place in the top 10. It's, it's, and when you got 25 car, cars in the field, um, a lot of them have been in like three or four years in the series. It's, it's not an easy competition. Everybody's got the same stuff. Um, you're not going to pass anybody on the straightaway like you're, they're stopped. It's, it all comes down to the driver. And it wasn't until the end of the season, because we didn't have any money to like rent tracks for practice days and stuff, Austin had to learn on the job. And it wasn't until the last couple of races of the season he started to show his potential. And um, we took the chance and we sold all Austin's karting stuff last year. We sold our race trailer, everything we had to buy Austin's race car that he drove. And this year we've been trying to fund it ourselves. So we've had four races this year. Um, Austin's goal the whole last year was to finish top 10, uh, first time out, um, which he didn't co- accomplish last year. His best finish was 13th, uh, at the final race. 
Um, first race out of the box this year, he finished 10th. Uh, second race, he finished 9th. And then the third and fourth races, he finished 6th and 5th. So he's really coming on. Um, we've been, uh, you know, funding a cart season and funding a car season are two different things. Um, the Micro Cup is still very inexpensive compared to other series, but um, we were not quite as prepared as we should have been. Um, some of the costs were a little eye-opening to us, and you know we've been scrambling trying to find uh, some secondary sponsorship. Uh, as you know, we've been selling puzzle pieces on Austin's car. Um, those have helped us get through this co next coming race and. Uh, the new sponsor that we brought on board, uh, Bikers for Autism. Um, it looks like we just about have enough to finish the year. So as long as everything goes okay, we should be uh, able to compete in all all six races this year. Um, is that enough for Austin? No. Um, Austin really should be in something somewhere every weekend of his life. Um, it helps him improve. It helps him uh, stay focused. It helps him with his anxiety level. It helps him with maturity. Um, but it's just not possible at this time. Um, I wish Austin would race carts in between the gaps in the car schedule. Um, not to win another championship, but just to get him out there, enjoy having fun, no pressure, um, that kind of stuff. So... Hopefully over the winter we can get him another cart and that's what we can do for next year. And do you find that Austin's behaviour changes, obviously, in the off, off um, racing events? So how, how, how is he like, yeah, during the weeks when he's not racing and not so, competing? So the Micro Cup schedule is fairly irregular. Um, our first race was the second week in May, third week in May. So we did a test day the second week of May. We did a, a first two races the third week in May. And then we have a race a three and four, two weeks after that. So the beginning of June, and we haven't raced since. So it's almost eight weeks we've been off. And slowly but surely from, you know, beginning of June to now, Austin's not been in a happy place. Um, his anxiety continues to build until he gets that release. And it's been hard for him to deal with. And when it's hard for him to deal with, it's hard for everybody else to deal with as well. He doesn't mean to be the way he is. It's just he's going through a tough time. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's hard. And, you know, it's not that we have the financial wherewithal just to, you know, you know get him another car or put him in another series or – buy another $15,000 go-kart to put him in to race shifter in between. It's, uh, it's just not possible. So, you know, Austin made this choice that he wanted to race the car and he wanted to move on and from karting and get rid of all his car stuff to help fund it. And, you know, that's what we had to do. And, but this is one of the drawbacks and we saw it a lot over the winter too, because we sold all his karting stuff at the end of the year last year. So we didn't have any carting stuff. And normally what we do over the winter is we take a couple long weekends. We drive down to Florida and have a few lapping days just to get 
you know, the edge off and have some fun. You know, if we had some extra money, then we'd do a couple of races in Florida while we were there. You know, it was good fun. But because we don't have that outlet anymore, the winter time was really, really hard for Austin. And Austin, what's your ultimate goal in motorsport? Where would you love to see yourself? Uh, Formula One. Really? Well, let's let's kind of be realistic. What would you like to race moving forward? Porsche GT3 Cup. Oh, fantastic! And if it, have you had any um, opportunities to have a drive day yet, or any laps or anything? Um, not yet. He hasn't had the opportunity yet, but um, we've had a few conversations, and I think as Austin's progressing in the Micro Cup. Um, this year it's really starting to open eyes like last year it was a lot of publicity but when he's coming in 15th and 16th and 17th they're kind of thinking you know, you know it's a great story but he's okay um, I know in the bottom of my heart that Austin can do a hell of a lot better than that um, so now that he's finishing 5th and 6th and getting closer to the front end of the pack in the back end of the pack, it's it's been eye-opening. But the sad thing with motorsports on this side of the fence, if you can't stroke a check, um, you have to have some really good friends that can stroke a check for you. And hmm. we're not at that level yet to take that leap. Unfortunately, it's the same everywhere in the world. <laughs> but you do have a brand-new sponsor with Bikers for Autism. So they've come on to help you for the rest of the year. And what, what do they do? What kind of support do they offer you? Or what's, what, Tell us a little bit more about that, their organisation. Um, Bikers for Autism is uh, a unique, uh, soon-to-be charity. Basically, it's a bunch of tattooed, bearded biker dudes <laughs> that uh, they look badass, but they do good things. <laughs> Fantastic. The, the founder of it, um, the founder, um, his I think nephew or niece has autism and wanted to do something wanted to do something that would uh, help so they started raising money and they started going on long tours and uh, on their bikes and they got some wicked uh, jackets like bikers for autism on the back and they're doing some amazing things there's um, they're based out of uh, the west coast of Canada and British Columbia but they have uh, like branches all over the U.S. I think they may have like a few guys in uh, Australia as well. Don't quote me on that, but I think I saw on their website. Um, our partnership is at its infancy right now. Uh, I haven't even spoken uh, to the founder yet. Uh, we've been emailing back and forth. And um, when I put that plea out on our Facebook page a couple weeks, uh, several weeks ago, saying that we're going to need some more money to keep Austin racing. You know, I got a, a message from him and he's like, how much do you need? I'm like, well, you know, I can <laughs> take anything you give me, right? Like how many zeros it doesn't matter. Right. And uh, he said, well, let me see what I can do. Let me talk to the board of directors. And um, we're so thankful that, you know, they've come on board and we're looking, you know, once the racing season's finished to, uh, do some things with them and take the car out there. Um, the autism reality experience, we could do some fundraisers with that with them. Um, 
the the synergy, like the thing they're trying to help kids with is, is all, you know, right down our alley and vice versa. And, you know, we've kind of been watching each other from afar, both going in the same direction, but on different roads. Um, but I'm very thankful that uh, they stepped up and they're hoping that this isn't like a one-time thing, that they're going to be a bigger part of Austin's life and his racing for years to come and let's hope that's the case and we're hoping that uh we become a bigger part of them and, and do good things and look badass <laughs> together <laughs> so last year you guys embraced on the autism awareness tour um what was that all about and and how did that come about and and what does that really mean for you in austin well to explain that, we have to kind of go back uh, to 2014. <clears throat> um, 2014 was uh, was a very special year. It kind of started everything. We had launched uh, Racing with Autism the year before, not knowing quite what we were going to do with it, other than post Austin's race updates on it. Um, I didn't have any idea where it was going. I didn't have any idea the type of growth I would see. I didn't have any idea that I'd be contacted by parents all over the world um, wanting to talk about autism and how amazing Austin was and should they put their kids in karting and all that kind of stuff. That I had no idea where anything was going. And I was sitting in, our, uh, in the room we're sitting in right now with Curtis, Austin's karting mechanic, in the spring of 2014, trying to decide um, how much money we had for Austin to race that year and where we were going to race. And Austin burst into the room, as he still does today, and interrupts the conversation and said, uh, I want to race somewhere different. Now, for somebody with autism who doesn't like to travel, doesn't like to do new things, this is a pretty big step for Austin. So. I really wanted to make what was going to come out of his mouth happen. So I said, Austin, where do you want to race this different? And he dropped the bomb on me that he wanted to race in the Western Canadian Karting Championships. Well, well, if you know your Canadian geography, but we live in Eastern Canada and Canada is a pretty big place. So the Western Canadian Karting Championships that year were in Regina, Saskatchewan, um, which was 28 hours and 36 minutes from our house. <laughs> And I said, Austin, there's no way we can do this. It's going to be too expensive. It's going to cost too much money, too much time. We can't do this. And to my surprise, he was prepared for the conversation. And he said, Dad, what if I skip a couple of the big races I normally do in Ontario and Quebec and we do this one race instead? So that's a fair compromise. So at the end of June 2014, we drove out to Regina, Saskatchewan. And Austin at that point still struggled mightily with anxiety going anywhere new. Um, it was always a battle. His behavior had become very poor, um, really hard to handle, not fun for me or for anybody else that was involved. So whenever we'd go to a new track or someplace Austin hadn't been before, we'd always have to go a couple of uh, days early just to let his anxiety calm down. And um, we drove out to Regina, uh, and we got there a couple of days early, and we unpacked and people started arriving. Nobody knew who we were or where we were from. And, but at the end of the final practice session, right before qualifying, Austin's like half a second faster than everybody else in the field. 
And every time Austin drives by the fence, they're like, who is that? Who is that? And word started to spread around the paddock that he was the autistic kid from Ontario. Well, Austin went on to have, like, one of the best performances we ever had at a national event and uh, finished on the podium after driving all the way from the back of the field because he got taken out on the start, like, even before he got to the green flag in the pre-final and had to start dead last, which I think was 28th spot. And in 22 laps, he went from 28th spot to finish third. No, fantastic. And reset fast lap like 20 separate times in 22 laps while passing traffic. He was flying. And when he got on the podium to get his trophy, he got the loudest cheer, even though that nobody knew who he was a few days earlier. But the proudest moment for me was when we went back to our trailer. Half of the paddock was there wanting to congratulate Austin personally and wanted to talk more about his story. And, you know, we packed up and it was a great time. We had great, a great week and, you know, we're driving home. Austin hops in the back, puts his headphones on, wake me up when it's dinner time. <laughs> and Curtis, Curtis said to me, oh, I said to Curtis, pretty amazing what happened here today. We, we created all this awareness for autism we didn't mean to. And Curtis went off the deep end. He's like, yeah, we should do more of this. We travel all over the U.S. and Canada and just go from race to race to race and Austin kick ass everywhere he goes and we can raise awareness for autism. And I'm like, dude, cool your jets. Who's going to pay for all this? It's not it's a great idea, but it's not financially possible. And the other thing is, what are we going to do between the races? Even if we could raise enough money to do this, um, what are we going to do? We can't just sit in the middle of you know, the United States for two weeks waiting for the next big race. You know, I have a job, mortgage, family. We need something to do in between. And the truck fell silent for a while. And I said to Curtis, what if we created a, a school presentation based on Austin's life story? And we went to a race. And when we left that race on our way to the next one, we just visited schools all along the way. And that way it would give us something to do in between the time. And by the time we got home on that 28 hour and 36 minute, we had the whole idea figured out. <laughs> we started raising and um, March 21st, uh, 2015 with Jess from Tasmania in tow, cause she had just arrived as this idea had, had come to fruition. So she helped us with all the fundraising. She helped us design the, the presentation that we still give today. And, you know, we actually left our house March 21st, 2015, and we were on the road for 87 days straight. We went coast to coast in the U.S. and Canada. Um, we did, I think, 27 school presentations during that period uh, to like 25,000 students. Uh, Austin raced 12 times at 12 tracks they'd never been to before. Um, in the elite level class, like racing in the adult level class at, 15 years old. How'd you do? Good. How many times did you podium out of the 12 times? 11. 11. Oh, fantastic. So the first four weeks of that tour were terrible. They were the worst times of my life. Um, and I'm pretty sure the worst for Austin as well. Every place we were going, he'd never been. Every road we turned down. Every person we met, every track we went to. Um, a lot of uncertainty, what time we're going to get to places, you know, what would it look like? Where would we, all these questions caused Austin an extremely hard time 
Um, his anxiety was was pretty much maxed out. Um, his behavior was, because of that, was really poor. Many times I had to pull the truck over, let everybody else get out, Jess and Curtis, and <clears throat> just to get away from Austin for a few minutes and let everything calm down. Uh, I'd look at Austin. I said, dude, we can't keep going like this. You know, that's, that's a great idea, but let's just pack up and go home. And every time I said this to Austin, he said, no, I want to keep going. And after the four-week mark, it's like a, a light switch turned on inside of him. Uh, Austin had never loved to travel. He never loved to go new places, meet new people. And from that four-week moment on, uh, everything was like, he was up for anything and everything. You know, he'd eaten chicken nuggets and Caesar salad his whole life. The mm. lunch uh, stopped at a restaurant in San Antonio, Texas, four weeks earlier. Never spoken to a waiter in his life. And the uh, waiter comes to the table. He says, I'm going to have a steak today. I almost fell off my chair. And, you know, Austin's behavior, his love for life changed at that moment. Um, he wanted to do new adventures, try new things, try new foods, go new places go exploring, meet new people, um, all those things that were causing an issue before all of a sudden disappeared. And it wasn't until the last week of the tour where all that behavior came back. Um, it became really hard to deal with. All the anxiety was back, all the bad behavior. I couldn't understand why. I, I pulled him out of uh, a practice session on track and I stuck him on the back of my truck quite physically, if I, truth be told. Um, we were very tired, hadn't slept to get to the track on time, and he was behaving not very well. And I said, dude, you're not getting back in your go-kart um, until you tell me what's going on in your head, because I don't understand why all these bad behaviors that we thought we got over are back. And he looked at me like it was, like he was just answering, what's the weather like today? He said, Dad, it's because the tour is ending. Uh, this is what I was meant to do. And, you know, he left me standing in a puddle of my own tears and then went back, hopped in his go-kart like nothing had ever happened and just drove off. <coughs> the moment we got home, we started planning for the next tour, like trying to raise money, but we had no idea where we were going to go, what we were going to do. And um, Jess, unfortunately, her time was running out and had to go home. Um, and it was kind of, it was almost natural. Um, Jess, when she left Austin, was like, you know, it's like somebody chopped off her arm. It was a big part of her, and it was also the same to Austin. It was a huge part of him that left. Um, so it was, it was almost a natural thing that the next tour would be Australia. And, you know, Austin, you know, 16 years old at that point in his life, and, from the moment he was born to 16 at that point, he had never been separated from me for more than a day and a half, really. Um, we always, like as we are now, like side by side, glued together. Yes. It was an uh, extremely emotional moment for me and proud moment for me when he was able to get on a plane with Shane and go to Australia for eight weeks without me. Wow. Um, and, you know, when he came back from those eight weeks um, with Jess, like Jess came, brought him back and stayed a couple more weeks uh, here. 
um, when Austin came home that trip, it was it was like a new person again. Like he'd grown so much more mature, and okay. <laughs> it was like a different kid altogether. And you know, while he was in Australia, I got a Facebook message from a guy named Anthony Peets, who runs uh, an autism charity in Bermuda, of all places. And he messaged me. He goes, "I love what you're doing with your son." Uh, it's really amazing. I love what you're doing in the schools. It's uh, it's a good thing to see. He goes, I have uh, a son similar age to Austin, and I took him go-karting for the first time, and I'd never seen him light up and, and smile and so be so happy. Uh, it's really amazing what you're doing. He goes, uh, I, my charity would like you to come to our island and speak to the schools here. Wow. Um, uh, Mr. Peace, thank you very much. I appreciate your offer, but we had just been fundraising for like 10 months. We had spent every dollar that we had in this world to get Austin to Australia. There's no way we can come to Bermuda. He says, I think you misunderstand. We'll pay for your flights. We'll pay for your hotel. We'll pay for your food. We'll even pay you to speak. And my response to him was, when do you need us? <laughs> so Austin came off the plane. He was home for like, you know, seven days and up back on another plane. We went to Bermuda and in five days we did 10 presentations, two TV shows, two radio shows, a newspaper interview. Uh, Austin got to race some karting championships on the island and kick some butt there. Yeah. A couple trophies is, uh, is pretty amazing. And then we started fundraising again. The tour didn't stop last year in the United Kingdom for three weeks and I think in 21 days, we did 18 presentations, uh, drove drove like 12,000 kilometers in three weeks. Um, I'm from England. For me to take Austin back where I was born and grew up was, was something I'll remember for the rest of my life. And the way our presentation was received there um, was quite remarkable. It, it, something I've never shared with anyone in a public forum. Um, I was at the point where I was emotionally drained, financially drained. I work a full-time job as well as all the racing and autism stuff uh, with just not being around and helping. Um, it just proved I was tired. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I, I, I had had a conversation with Austin, you know, after the UK tour because it took so long to plan. Like to plan every minute of a three or four week journey anywhere in the world and you know, booking presentations and you know, calculate drive time. And it, it's a logistical nightmare and it takes months and months and months to plan. I just couldn't do it anymore. And I said to Austin, you know, once we finish this tour, dude, th this is it for racing and autism. I'm just gonna, you know, thanks for all the support over the years. You know, thank you, good night. And the way things went in the UK, um, there's one particular presentation where it was just the the vibe in the room. It was it was a, a, a it was a very big school in the south of England in Coventry called Southern College. And I'm presenting to, like, it's a very, um, very big school, about maybe like 800 kids, 900 kids, 
all like early teens, you know, all think they know everything kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm looking around at the presentation and we're just about finished and, you know, there's 14 year old boys crying, there's girls crying, like all emotional. We finish, Austin does a speech at the end and he gets a standing ovation. And I look at Shane and I'm like, we're doing the wrong fucking thing full time. This should hmm. be our gig. And that tour uh, really put a little extra bounce in my bungee. <laughs> um, uh, when we came back from that, I'm like, we can't stop. Things are going, uh, starting to grow. Like, we can't stop. And we came back from England and Bermuda was calling again. And we went back to Bermuda for a second journey. And wow. that was even bigger and better than the first one. And, you know, when Austin's in Bermuda now, he's like a rock star. Like, <laughs> walking down the street and people stop their cars to get their pictures taken with him. It's uh, it's pretty, pretty awesome. Not as nice as Australia. That's right. Pretty damn close. Although I haven't been to Australia yet. So. Yet. This past April, we just finished our latest tour, which was based on the time and distance was our our greatest challenge. Um, four weeks, well, less, a little less than four, actually a day less than four weeks. We started April, well, two days less than four weeks. We started April 3rd in Victoria, BC, which is the most Western tip of Canada. And we finished April 27th in Charlottetown, PEI, which is the most Eastern tip of Canada. And it was a little over 19,000 kilometers and, and those little less than four weeks. And in those, those days, those weeks, we did 28 presentations. Wow. So it was uh, get up really early in the morning, drive 10 hours, <laughs> go to bed late at night, present first thing in the morning and then do it all over again. It's um, I don't know if you've been watching the, uh, the Canadian tour videos. The, I posted part four last night. Um, part four, that stretch was the hardest. And you can really see it on our faces that <laughs> nobody's a happy camper. This is killing us. It sucked. It sucked. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> but, you know, now that we've been home for more than a few weeks, so kind of eager to get back on the road again. But Where's the next? We haven't. Australia. Yay. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We haven't had that discussion or Australia. even if there'll be a next one, to be honest. Um, the logistics of it are, are hard. The amount of funds it takes are tremendous. Um, we'll have to see. Um, we have to have that conversation and sit down with Shane and, and family and see where things go. Um, I'm not sure if there's going to be another one. Australia is where I want to go. Austin is quite, quite eager. <coughs> and to be honest, um, I would love to make Australia our next destination. Um, last year, uh, when we went, when Austin went to Australia several mm -hmm. years ago, it was him and Jess doing the presentations. I, I would like to, I would like to go and give my my version and see how things react there and uh, 
Austin's quite eager because Jess is almost nine months pregnant now. So uh, he wants to see what uh, the young one's going to look like and mm-hmm. be an uncle, I guess. Yeah. So anything's possible, anywhere's possible. Um, Last year was more of like a vacation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He went back uh, earlier this year with his friend from school, Brooke. So he didn't have any adult supervision. It was. Uh, it was him and Brooke flying to Australia for how long were you there? Three, four, four weeks. Four weeks. Oh, wow. So it was more of a, just a sightseeing thing with Jess that he hadn't, uh, they were so busy presentation wise the first time around that he didn't really get to see anything. It was all like, you know, drive, present, go mm-hmm. home, sleep, go up next morning, drive, present. It was. And Brooke had never seen Australia before. And his friend Brooke had never been to Australia as well. So. It was uh, it was good for him. It was, it was good for me to see him be able to to take that next step. With you know, maybe it's not so hard to travel the world by yourself. But, you know, he's getting a little closer. That I hope one day soon he'll be able to you know, travel to Australia like it's uh, you know, going across the street almost. <laughs> of course, we'd love to have you back here, Austin. So we'll try and work on that for next year, shall we? Mm-hmm. How do you go now, Austin, flying? Do you love planes now? I love flying. The takeoff's the best. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much any mode of transportation. If it moves with some sort of motor device, whether it's a boat, whether plane it's a plane. Have, a plane doesn't have a motor. It has an engine. Yes. Yeah. That's not a motor. A train, anything, yeah. anything that moves mm-hmm. is good. It's good. <laughs> Excuse me. And so further on to your tour now, Austin, you've got a new a new video channel, is it? The new experiences with Austin. Tell us a little bit about that. Experiencing with Austin. So this is an idea that Austin came up with for Shane. With a little help with Shane. Um we Austin's story's grown so much over the years and as I said earlier, he's some reason or another has become a role model of other kids with autism. Um, they're currently watching him on his Facebook page or YouTube videos, or they know everything about him. Um, they use him as their gauge in life and whether he can do things, they can do things as well. And uh, Shannon Austin thought, well, this would be a great idea to, take advantage of this and maybe help those families a little more um, by having Austin put himself in circumstances that he is not 100% comfortable with. Um, Whether it's something exciting like the indoor skydiving or the CN Tower edge walk that we just filmed or um, last week we filmed another episode um, which Austin's biggest fear in life are paramedics why uh, ambulances paramedics scare the living bejesus out of him they did uh, <laughs> the flashing lights the unknown of what goes on in the back all that kind of stuff um so we're very uh, thankful that uh, the toronto um paramedic what's the name of just Toronto Paramedics, was it? Toronto EMS Services. Yeah, Toronto EMS Services gave us an opportunity to go to one of their main branches. Um, we spent pretty much the day there. 
uh, getting Austin comfortable in the surrounding, showing him all the bits of the ambulance. Uh, they got him dressed up like a paramedic. Uh, you got to ride in the ambulance in the back uh, with the, with a paramedic, and they gave him a rundown of what would normally happen. Um, if if Austin struggles with it, there's going to be other kids with autism that are going to struggle with it as well. So if they can see Austin faces fears, then it may help that family or that kid um, be able to be brave enough to do it as well. And it's not just, you know, all these amazing activities. It can be something as mundane as a, getting a haircut, which for a lot of autistic kids is traumatic. Yeah. Um, going to the dentist, I know, is an one that Austin is going to be overly impressed with i'm fine with the dentist i'm yeah. not scared yeah okay. <laughs> before we go do we yeah <laughs> no nobody likes a dentist austin <laughs> but it's all right as long as you don't have a cavity that's but right these are, these are all things that um we're we're going to work our way through episode by episode and um i'm hoping that you know, we get start getting suggestions yes. from other parents saying that you know, my kid, you know, is really scared, you know, about this or that. Could, could you possibly film an episode? Yeah, we'd love to do something like that because um, I guess we've been so blessed with how Austin's changed over the years and um, his, his growth gives other families hope. And we want to help as much as we can, whether it's, um, you know, chatting messaging back and forth about suggestions and what we should do not that we're you know people look at me and think oh jay you're an expert on autism no i am not an expert on autism i'm an expert on austin, austin. <laughs> you are an expert on autism. no i'm not yes you are um, and is that a youtube channel or is it just going to be on facebook live or ig um, right now i think our youtube channel it's because we have our filmmakers working on the next episode. Yeah. Because there's, we've kind of interwoven everything by mistake. So the autism reality experience um, has us the name of the YouTube channel. It's really uh, hard to explain because um, our website for the racing with autism and the autism reality experience have been set up by the same guy. And Google. <laughs> wraps itself around all the email addresses and YouTube's all part of that. It's, it's kind of taken on the autism reality experience is the name of the website, but you can quite easily Google Austin Riley uh, autism and find all sorts of videos. And once you find the channel, so right now on the channel, the most recent thing is like four parts of the Canadian tour, um, which are, are pretty epic like i i make these myself and i in your spare time <laughs> i put the i don't make it all lovey-dovey um i put the fun times in but i also put the struggles in because that's most important because if everybody just thinks oh everything's so great look how good Austin doing it doesn't mean so much and unless you see the struggles too and you know, especially uh, when we did our first tour, like those first four weeks were incredibly hard for Austin. And, you know, if I look at the four weeks we just were on the road in April, 
we maybe had two bad days out of those four weeks where you know, before it would have been you know every other day or every day they were really for issues that didn't matter right well in your mind they did right <laughs> so uh, there's uh there's the uk tour videos there some news stories there um and i think the first episode of uh, new experiences with austin uh the indoor sky skydiving one there is up already um the other ones we're trying to because we're getting such a busy part of our racing schedule we're trying to bank them get them all ready and then we'll put them out in a an orderly succession when we get maybe four or five all done so we don't have to have to worry about oh we haven't filmed anything for three weeks and we want to continue the the momentum so people are actually wanting to see what the next episode is or we can kind of trail one into the other so yeah we can it's uh it'll be good Uh, i hope it uh, makes the biggest difference Uh, i think it will yeah, so this is what's filling your void, is it, Austin, until you go racing again? Yeah. <laughs> much. What's been your favourite thing that you've done so far? Uh, probably the ambulance thing was the best one ever. Yeah? That, that was fun. Um, I want that for a job. As, as a father, like having somebody that races and having them being uh, terrified of paramedics, is not a good thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you ever had to use a paramedic at a racetrack? Nope. Well, <clears throat> two years ago, uh, a little bit of a funny story. Uh, oh, it's God. funny now. It's not, wasn't funny then. It was funny for, for you. Yeah. Um, Austin was at a, a national event at his home track. Um, he didn't qualify very well. We had some engine problems, so he's kind of starting like three quarters of the way back. And uh, we're coming around the formation lap, the pre-final, and his his row, the guy in front doesn't get going very good, and kind of stacks everybody up. And uh, the conditions were really slippery; it had stopped raining, so some of the guys were on slicks, some were on reins. Uh, one guy, you know, hit the brakes and looped the cart, and kind of went across the track but kept a steering wheel turned and came back across the track backwards but just as austin was going by and massive impact austin's cart went you know several feet in the air um just brand new cart the weekend before and it was pretty much destroyed i rolled out um austin rolled out of the cart and lay on the ground and immediate red flag and um everybody it was like such a big impact that everybody on the fence that's watching the race is like oh that that kind of thing right and um my heart's in my throat my wife's like losing her mind uh the ambulance lights come on uh the paramedics because it's like right across from where the ambulance station was uh they hop out of the truck and start running towards austin and austin's kind of a bit dazed and he sees the paramedics running towards him and he gets up and starts running away. <laughs> so he like hops over the fence and then runs in our trailer and locks the door. He doesn't want anything to do with it. So they're banging on the door trying chasing, to get in. You're chasing them. Yeah. So we're chasing the paramedics like, no, hold on, hold on. So 
basically Austin wouldn't let anybody in the trailer because he didn't trust anybody. Oh, no. He let Shane in after about 10 minutes of coaxing. <laughs> and paramedics had to tell Shane through the door what to check to see if he was okay. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was funny. So, Austin, after your experience last week, do you feel like you're over that fear? Yeah, I want to do one for a job. Like, I want oh, to do that. fantastic. I want to yeah. do that for a job. Oh. Do you want to just sit in the back or you want to drive? I want to drive because people will get where they're going a lot quicker. <laughs> well, your driving ability will come in handy there, won't it? <laughs> but it may also kill a few people, which I don't want that to happen. Oh, so funny. Well, guys, thank you very much for your time today. Um, I'll make sure I put all the links to how everyone can get involved with Racing with Autism in the show notes and um, how they can sign up for the piece of the puzzle. Yes. Is that what it's called? Yes. Puzzle pieces. Puzzle pieces. That's it. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Um, and Austin, thank you very much. I hope to see you in Aussie soon. Um, Aussie. Aussie, back in Australia. Yeah. Uh, if you do come down, make sure you let us know so we can promote it. You have to come to Melbourne, though. <laughs> you got no problem. That's where I'd fly into anyway. Yeah. Fantastic. So thank you very much, Jason. Thanks, guys. Get ready for the race. Do you feel one step closer to being the next superstar behind the wheel? MotivateTraining.com.au for more. M-O-T-I-V, the number eight, training.com.au. The green flag. Every episode gets you one step closer to the checkered flag. The Motorsport Coaching Podcast, getting you to the checkered flag faster.